Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. We're back together again, and I'm still continuing our series, Life to the Fool. And also, I have renamed our podcast, Life to the Fool, because that's what it's all about. I love to share with you from God's Word uh, how He wants us to live. And as we discover and read through the Word of God, we find that it is life to the full. And at the moment, we're discovering all the different things which God tells us with which He wants us to be filled. He doesn't want us to be half filled. He wants us to be filled and filled to overflowing. Today, I want you to come with me to John chapter 12. And here we read the beautiful story of Jesus coming to stay with Lazarus and Martha and Mary. And then it says in verse 3, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odour of the ointment. It must have been a beautiful aroma to just, oh, inhale and smell this aroma that was filling the house. It wasn't just a little whiff. You know how you can pass someone and you get a little whiff of, of their perfume? No, this wasn't a little whiff. It was a, a fullness. The house was filled with it. The odor of this ointment that came from her worship and her love for Jesus. And this is how we fill our lives and fill our homes uh, with a beautiful perfume and a beautiful odor. It's with our love and worship to the Lord. And so this is a beautiful thing for our own personal lives and for everyone in our homes. So let's be encouraged, lovely ladies, just to be always have a heart of worship, a heart of thankfulness, a heart of prayer. And we go back to the Old Testament uh, in Exodus chapter, let's see, it's, yes, Exodus chapter 30. And it tells us there about how God told them to build the altar of incense in the holy place. And it was a place where they um, they took fire from off the altar and then they burned the incense uh, on it. So it filled the Holy of Holies with this, with this beautiful aroma. And it was a sweet incense. It was made with beautiful sweet spices. It tells us about that in uh, Exodus chapter 30. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices, stacti and onica and galbanum, these sweet spices with pure frankincense, 
of each shall there be a like weight. And then they were to grind it and grind it and temper it to this, make it very, very refined. And it was to be this pure and holy and sweet incense. And God told them that they were to light that incense every day. In fact, not only every day, but every morning and every evening. Because when they lit it in the morning, this beautiful, sweet aroma filled the place. And God loves to smell. He, he, the Bible talks about even the sacrifices went up to him as a sweet-smelling savor. Isn't it beautiful how... You know, the things that we do in life, like even smelling, oh, how we love to smell a beautiful fragrance. Isn't it lovely? Or the opposite, to smell something that is, you know, horrible or it's off or it's putrid. Oh, oh goodness me, you just can't stand it. And uh, But it's so glorious to smell something beautiful and that God loves it. He, he just wanted this sweet incense just wafting and filling the holy place all day long. But as the day wore on, it would begin to uh, just, you know, fade. And so once again, they had to come in the evening and light it again. So it was always there. And in the Bible, this altar of incense always speaks of prayer and worship unto the Lord. And we go over to Revelation. We were talking about something back in Exodus. But then we go over to Revelation at the very end of the Bible. And we read, well, we read about it throughout the word. But let's go to the very end and see that the Bible is still talking about this altar of incense. And John on the Isle of Patmos, he was banished there for his faith. But on that island, that little Greek island, God came to him and showed him so many visions and what was going to happen in the end time. And John saw a vision of heaven, of, of the holy place in heaven. Because back in Exodus, where it talks about the tabernacle, that was created and built and made in the same uh, way as the heavenly it, it was built according to the pattern of the heavenly. And then, all those years later, John looks into this heavenly realm and he sees it. There's the altar of incense. It's still there. Isn't that amazing? And you know what, ladies? It's still there now. It's still in the eternal realm. And in chapter 5, we read here verse 8 and when he had taken the book, that was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of incense. And it goes on to say, which are the prayers of saints. You see, our incense, that beautiful perfume that goes up to God, is our heart of worship, our, the, our heart of prayer that is going on continually throughout the day. But 
there were specific times to light that incense, the morning and the evening. And then we go over to chapter 8. And here John is looking into this heavenly realm again. And in chapter 8 he says, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar of incense. Wow. We read about it in Exodus. John is still seeing it, now in the heavenly realm, here in Revelation. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which is before the throne. You see, ladies, the altar of incense was the altar that was right before you went into the Holy of Holies, where God dwelt in his Shekinah glory. In the heavenly realm, the altar of incense is right before the throne of God. And now we are so blessed. We can come not with a veil between us, but we come with open face, with an opening, the veil torn apart into the presence of God, the throne room of God, to bring our prayers, to bring our worship before him. And it's like incense. Yes. And so, precious, lovely ladies, if you want your life to be filled with this beautiful odor, this sweet incense, remember, worship and prayer create this incense. Be a worshiping mother. Be a praying mother. Try and make these times in your home where every morning and every evening you light the incense where you gather your whole family together and you pray together. Praying. Is praying just part of your home? Is it just natural in your home? Natural to you, natural to your children. When you come together each day, make sure everyone prays. Right down to the littlest one who's just learning to talk. Prayer should be like breathing to us. <clears throat> I was talking recently to a mother and uh, she was in a prayer meeting and she was telling me afterwards, she said, you know, Nancy, I haven't been in a prayer meeting like that for, well, since I was at college. And uh, I was so surprised. I mean, a prayer meeting. We should be having prayer meetings every day in our home with our families. And then I, I trust that your church has a prayer meeting every week. That was normal for every church life. But if it doesn't, well, have a prayer meeting in your home. Invite some other people in. The more you have prayer in your home, the more it is filled with this beautiful odor. And I love that scripture in 2 Corinthians 2.14. In the J.B. Phillips translation, it says, We should have about us the unmistakable scent of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Now, the way we get that is, is as we pray, is as we worship. Make prayer such a natural part of your life. 
and it will fill your whole being and it will fill your home. Amen. Well, that point was number 17. And uh, I actually have, let's see, I have 20 points of, of all these things with which God wants us to be filled. So let's go to the next one, number 18. God wants us to be filled with his goodness. Jeremiah 31, 14. And I will satiate the soul of the priests with fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. What a glorious scripture. And I will satiate. Oh, I love that beautiful word, satiate. Just say it. it it's, when you say it, it, it kind of just fills you with the meaning of it. Satiate. And it, it means to, it's the Hebrew word ravah, R-A-B-H-A-H. It means to slake the thirst, to make drunk, to fill abundantly, to satisfy. And, uh, oh, how beautiful that is. God wants to do that in our lives. He wants to come to us and satiate us. Of course, he can only do that as we come to him. He waits for us to come to him. And as we come to him, he will then come to us and satiate us. Actually, it's very, very interesting that that same word is used in a passage about married couples. In that passage in Proverbs chapter 5, where it's talking about marriage and it talks about uh, the husband um, and the wife. And let me just go to it here. I'm thinking of it because it's the same Hebrew word. And uh, it says here, and let her be, that's the wife, let her be as a loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times and let and be thou ravished always with her love. And that's the same Hebrew word there that is used, that the wife is to ravish and satisfy her husband. But here it's talking about how God wants to satiate us. And then it goes on to this other word, and my people shall be satisfied. That's the Hebrew word saba, and it means to fill, to satisfaction, to satiate, to satisfy. So, wow, that's incredible. That's not just, oh, God will comfort and console and fill us just a tiny little bit to get us through. No, he wants to satiate us. He wants to satisfy us with his goodness because God is a good God. That's who he is, dear ladies. He is a good God. You must know him as a good God. If you don't know him as a good God, you don't know who your God is. For he is good. I would encourage you to do a study. Go get a concordance out. Have you ever used a concordance? And look up all the scriptures about how God is good. 
And as you read these scriptures, they will they'll just go into your being and they will begin to satiate you. And, and, and just the goodness of God will fill your soul. There's many scriptures that talk about how, of God's great goodness. He, he's not just good. He, he's, it talks about the great goodness of the Lord. Psalm 107 verse 9 says, For he satisfieth the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Yes. Oh, in Psalm 65 4, it talks about being satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. And that's a beautiful thing too. You know, to come to the house of God, to, the, to just the gathering of the saints and, and to be satisfied with the, and satiated with the goodness of God's house. That's not just a building, but it's the gathering of God's people. It's a beautiful thing. And you see, the gathering of God's people is not just, oh, well, we come and we come to church, we worship, we hear a message, and we go home. Well, that's good. You can get a great message and be encouraged in your soul, but that's only just half of it. God wants the gathering of his people to be where we do gather, where we fellowship, where we interact, where we speak to one another, where we pray for one another, where we uh, just... We're just togethering, and that's real fellowship. And that's when we uh, learn to, to understand and experience the goodness of his house. Now, maybe at your church, well, maybe you don't have that fellowship. Or perhaps you have home meetings where you can do that. Because often just going to church and going home it's not enough. We need that fellowship together. If you're not getting it, well, make it happen. Invite some fellow believers into your home. Invite them for a meal and have, have just rich fellowship around the table. Oh, there's nothing like it to fellowship over the things of God. The sad part about it is many people today, you, you want to do that and you try to do it with them, but well, they, they don't have much to say. You, want to, you say to them perhaps, now what's God been saying to you in the word recently? What's he saying? And you don't even get an answer. It's very sad. Uh, it's my favorite question to ask. And um, it's so lovely. We often we'll have folk around our home and some, they, they don't have anything to share. Well, we'll just bless them and share with them. But often there's other folks who will come and, oh, the richness, because they have, they've been in the word. God's been speaking to them and they, they can share and, and, and we're all blessed together. It is so wonderful. And Isaiah 60, verse 11 Oh, yes, this scripture is interesting. This is actually an allegory about Judah. And in this allegory, God is liking Judah to a nursing mother. So 
um, we, we see two things here. We see the relationship of Judah to God, or it can be um, our own relationship with God. And we also see the relationship of a baby and a mother. And it says here, uh, they will suck and be satisfied with the breasts of her consolations. Now, that is an allegory, and it's, it's revealing about uh, how a mother nurses her baby when the little baby sucks from the mother. Uh, this little baby's not only sucking for food, it's sucking for to be satisfied, to be consoled, to be comforted. Nursing a baby is far more than food. And here we see this. The, the baby sucks and is satisfied. Not just satisfied with the milk, but satisfied with the breasts of her consolations, her comforts, and her consoling that just comes from within her. It is far more than just food. But then we take it spiritually. And we also need to come to Christ in his presence and suck from him. What does the New Testament say? First um, Peter 2 verse 2 is newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. And so we come to Christ, we come to suck, we come to draw from him. A and maybe you are going through a difficult time. You're going through a trial. You, Oh, goodness, you hardly know how to get through. Look, don't languish on your own, precious one. Come to God. Just come to him, suck from him, draw from him. As you come and pour out your heart before him, you will find that he will console you. He will comfort you. He will satisfy you. He will satiate you. But that comes as you come. God waits for you to come. And you will be satisfied with his consolations and his great goodness. Now, okay, maybe you are. You're going through this tough time. Somehow you wonder, goodness, how can I say God is a good God? I want you to know, no matter what you are going through at this time, no matter what you will face in the future, or what all of us may face in the future, God is good. We must get into the habit of acknowledging God is good. He is a good God. Oh, I will praise the great goodness of the Lord. We go back to Genesis and we read about uh, Joseph. Don't you love the story of Joseph? And uh, Joseph was ripped away from his family at about 17 years of age and taken to a foreign land. He was lonely. But he pressed into God. And God blessed him and he became ruler over everything in Potiphar's home. But then we know how Potiphar's wife, she, um, she was kind. He must have been a handsome young man. And, and uh, 
she was trying to get him for herself. And as he ran from that, because he wanted nothing to do with it, uh, she held a piece of his, his cloak in her hand and used that against him, and he was thrown into prison. So now, not only is he away from his beloved family, his beloved father, but here he is. He's in prison. Prison. He's left. No one knows about him. He's just there in prison. Now, if you were languishing in prison, would you be saying God is a good God? I'm sure that Joseph was because he wasn't in a state of self-pity. Instead, he, sh he showed uh, who he was and, and he, he began, began to be someone who was always helping. And in the end, he was now put over the prison and over all the other prisoners because he rose to the top. You can never rise to the top when you're in self-pity and poor me and why is this happening to me? That keeps us at the bottom. Even in trials, you can rise to the top. And that's what happened with Joseph. Now, it was many, many years. It didn't happen quickly, but eventually we know the story of how he was brought before Pharaoh and interpreted the dreaming, became next to Pharaoh in the whole of the land. But God allowed Joseph to go all through all this because he had a bigger plan. And dear ladies, often we go through these difficult times and we think God has forgotten me but God has a bigger plan we've got to trust him he is always good and he wants us to be continually filled with the goodness of the Lord I love what Joseph spoke to his brothers Genesis chapter 45 and when Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, after they had been coming back um, to get food um, because of the famine, and uh, this time they'd gone back again and food had run out, and this time they'd come back again, this time Joseph reveals himself to them. And he says, And God sent me before you, to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, brothers, it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. But you see, Joseph was able to see God's hand. Yes, all the suffering, loneliness, abandonment that he went through, he saw it was all for a purpose. God allowed this. God allowed it because God had a greater plan to save his family alive from a famine and to save a nation and many other nations around. And then we go over to the last chapter, chapter 50 of Genesis. And now his father Jacob has died and... The brothers come to him again. They're scared. They think, oh, now our father's died. He'll really get us this time. But no, Joseph comes to them again. And in verse 19, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God 
meant it unto good. All the tough times he went through, God was working it out for good. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And so be encouraged. God is good, even in the tough times, even in the difficult times. God is working out everything for good. And, you know, we have to see life, see our difficulties. Maybe we're going to be facing more and more persecution in time to come. Even at this time, there are many, many people who are facing uh, even the fact of having to leave their jobs or being fired from their jobs because they're not prepared to take the vaccine. And uh, this is tough. But you know, as they trust God, God will show his hand. And even if we have to go through difficult times, we have to keep eternity in view. This life is but a vapor. And the real world is the eternal world. As we read through Revelation, we see so many of the, of the saints. John looked as he got these visions and he looked into the eternal realm and there were the saints who were beheaded for the sake of the gospel and they were there waiting for more of their fellow brethren to also be beheaded and to join them. Well, maybe in the future we will face that. But even in that, God is good. Because look, all we're doing here on this earth is to learn how to conquer evil and walk with God that we will be ready for the eternal realm which is the real world, the world forever and ever. Oh, we can never even dream of what it's going to be like. And God is getting us ready for that. Oh, he is a good God. I was thinking the other day about Hebrews and the cloud of witnesses that are watching watching us. And let's have a look at it here. Hebrews. Um, Hebrews. Yes, verse uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus. Those cloud of witnesses, I'm sure many of them were there, those who got there um, by being beheaded or tortured for their faith. But they are now there just waiting, urging us on. So the goodness of the Lord. All right, now that was number 18. Number 19. Number 19, God wants us to be filled with glory. Oh, isn't that amazing? Glory. I've been speaking so much about glory. I did a series 
um, on the glory of womanhood. And then recently I did another series about glory and, and moved on to how God even wants us to dress with glory. Everything about God is, is glory. He is the God of glory. Jesus is the Lord of glory. The Holy Spirit is the God of glory. And God, who is all glory, he longs to come and fill us with his glory. 1 Peter 5, 8. Now let's go to it. 1 Peter 5, 8. Actually, that's not the right scripture. Um, I must have put down the wrong reference there, but it's be talking about how we are to be filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. <coughs> wow. <coughs> Wait a minute. Let's see, I think that's first Peter 1 3. Let me go to it. No, it's not. But anyway. I will just um, let you t tell it to you. Rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about glory, but our time is going, so I think we'll close off the session. And next week, I will just talk a little bit more about it because... There's still more about glory, and I want to give you a few more scriptures about it. So let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you so much that you want us to be a filled people, filled with wisdom, filled with your goodness, filled with righteousness, filled with love, filled with peace, filled with joy, filled with your glory. Oh, God, help us and save us from going around half-filled. Help us to be those who are filled to the top and overflowing so we can bless those around us, our husbands, our children, people that we meet. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Before I close... I'd love to read you the words of a lovely hymn. We were talking about having our lives filled with the odor um, of the ointment, the, the sweet incense uh, which speaks of his presence and, of course, our prayer and our worship unto the Lord. But do you know this lovely hymn which says, Fill Thou My Life? Let me read. I love the words. Fill Thou My Life. O Lord my God, in every part with praise that my whole being may proclaim thy being and thy ways, not for the lip of praise alone or e'en nor even the praising heart I ask, but for a life made up of praise in every part, praise in the common things of life, its goings out and in, praise in each duty and each deed, however small and mean, fill every part of me with praise. Let all my being speak of thee, 
and of thy love, O Lord, poor though I be and weak. So shall no part of day or night from sacredness be free, but all my life, in every step, be fellowship with thee. The Lord pour his blessings upon you, upon your husband, upon your children, upon your home, and may your home be filled with the beautiful, sweet incense of his ointments, his aroma of prayer and worship unto him. Amen. Amen.